Hello, adventurers, and welcome back to Behind the Roll, episode four. My name is Keegan. I am one half of Duke Gamers, and I will be your host for this evening. Hanging out with me are my wonderful, magnificent, but not lovely friends. Uh, the same, <laughs> the same few people you see every time. We got our, our DM uh, over in the corner up there, uh, David. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm excited. It's probably my favorite session we've had so far, so I'm excited to jump into uh, to talking about it. Uh, we also have the wonderful, magnificent, but not lovely, Kime. How you doing, Bertrand? Hi, everybody. My name's Kime. I'm also known as Bertrand. Yeah. He's oh, a vampire. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have the very insightful and wis- wisdomatic, that's not a word, but we're going to go with it, uh, <laughs> Tim, a.k.a. Kosif. How you doing, Tim? I'm feeling very wisdomy, thanks. <laughs> You're feeling very you wisdomatic. Dude, it was a, it's not like I don't have Google or something on my computer. And last but not least, we have the magnificent, wonderful, lovely, wonderful, and lovely, lovely. Nate, a.k.a. Ara Latrine. How you doing, Nate? Hey. I'm, really I'm just ex- waiting for you to slip up and actually say it. The next next session, I'm going to put in, I'm literally going to have a note that just is like words that, like adjectives for people. Uh, that's one thing I'm going to do. First things first, though, uh, I do want to point out, is if you guys follow at all, we our last uh, session, we were partnered with Pop in a Box, and I have a my first box of Pops came in, so I got lucky enough to get a bunch of Dragon Ball Z, so I've got Android 18 uh, was one of them. I got Gohan Training Outfit is another one. These are going to go on my shelf eventually. I also got, I know who she is, Bulma. I don't, I don't follow Dragon Ball Z that well, but I got Bulma. And last but not least, this was free because I had a promotion going on. I got Norbert from Angry Beavers. So, obviously not from Jack Palsy, the one the one oddball. He's hef- he's heavier than the rest of them, but if you use... But you can also get a Freddie Mercury or a Michael Jordan or a Thanos if you go yes. ahead and go to the website and use the code. Saved-R1. You'll save 20% off your first order. And uh, you'll help us out as well. So I'm excited. Uh, I've got the next box coming, obviously, next month because it's a monthly thing. But uh, I'm excited to put these on my shelves because my select my collection just got cleaned up the other day. I'm looking over here because the collection's right over there. And uh, I still have two empty shelves I need to fill, two and a half empty shelves I need to fill. So I'm excited about that. I love Funko Pops. I love popping a box. I've used them now for this is probably my eighth or ninth month total using them with time in between. Uh, but without further ado, let's jump into Behind the Roll, and let's start off with everybody's impressions of the last session compared to the first three. Um, what was everybody's overall feeling when we were done with that night uh, with the session? The big girl panties got put on. Yeah. <laughs> Gloves we came didn't off. die. We did not die, and we'll get to yeah. get to that at the end of what happened, but we probably faced, faced the biggest, baddest foe we have yet. Um, no more wolves. <laughs> I wish. I wish there were wolves. Um, so let's start at, start at the very beginning of the session. We were at the camp, the Vistani camp, uh, with Madam Ava and her compadres. There was quite a few of them there. Um, I, Torbjorn, had a couple revelations at the very beginning. Um, he was riding a horse and saw a vision and uh, learn something about his past uh, that may involve a gnome of some sort. I saw my grandfather with a gnome handing a letter. I then got to roll a d20 and found out that that 
symbol on that letter was the same one that Welly had. So I've got a few questions for Welly at this point. But what is your guys? What was your guys' thought of how David implemented that into the session with backstory? Um, and the fact that he incorporated another character, I think, for me personally, is kind of cool. Um, David was actually saying earlier that Cody has no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, but what do you guys think of how he's he's been incorporating the backstory concepts into into our sessions? I think it's been great. You know, uh, I, I don't think Strahd is, you know, Strahd is obviously a, a pre-written campaign, right? Mm -hmm. So the amount of work that David has to do to, tie some of those things in and i think there's some things he's already thrown in there too that um maybe we haven't even realized yet you know so uh i think i gave props in our last one our last podcast just that what a great job he was doing in that regard um you know with with the little tidbits here and there and the kind of making you want to hear more but not too much but hear more because you don't want to ruin it all at once but you know uh I, I love it. I thought that was great. I thought that was fantastic. I did too. It, it makes you think as a player too, of like, what is, what does he have up his sleeve uh, with what's going on along with obviously the goal of this campaign, it seems like is to confront Strahd at some point. So how are you going to weave that in with that story and not get too far off track with making sure all, all of us get our, get some backstory elements into it. I do have a question for Bertrand. Because you immediately uh, asked me when I came out of my vision and fell off the horse and got up, you asked me kind of what I saw was, I, I, I guess my question to that is a sense of, from Kime's perspective, is he just curious of why Torbjorn fell off the horse or was he curious in the sense of wanting to know Torbjorn more? Well, he would have noticed that you weren't as drunk as maybe some others thought you were, and you have a low center of gravity. You're not just going <laughs> to fall off a horse. Yeah. <laughs> and so from, from Kaim's perspective, um, I, I believe I rolled to see if I noticed what was going on with you. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what I rolled. but You were like a 17 or something. something yeah, enough that high. I noticed that something was off. Something was a kilter. And, you know, it was just one of those things like, all right, what did you see that made you fall off a horse? Like... Because it's not going to be like, what did you hear? <laughs> yeah. What happened? <laughs> so it wasn't, uh, Kyle didn't assume anything other than you were just not. My normal stable self. You, yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I was excited because I was telling David earlier from my perspective on that was once I found out Welly's family was involved, I obviously wanted to ask Welly a lot of questions. Um, but I also was trying to be careful because I feel like me and David had a conversation and I think all of us had a conversation after the last session of kind of how I was going about things. And I, I didn't want to railroad that in of like, oh, I need to talk to Welly now because it's something that like Torbjorn himself was thinking about. And that's even the moment where I walked away and was looking at my sword uh, like a few hours later just by the river. That was what he was contemplating was what does this all mean? Why? Who is this Welly person like? Why is she so important to what's going on here? Like, Torbjorn has no idea what's going on other than the fact that he's in a strange land and he's had this weird vision that he's unsure of how to feel about it. And he he, he thinks it's true and he believe, wants it to believe it's true. But at the same time, he, he is a bit uneasy of kind of having these visions of 
the future or the past or whatever they may be um, to see what's what's going down. Because, I mean, Torbjorn is not the most intelligent person when it comes to uh, what he does, but he's a very inquisitive person when it comes to what he does. So I thought that was kind of fun. I know that's something leading forward. I'm going to have fun talking with Cody about and kind of getting her perspective on what it all means and that that concept. While I, and then while that was going on, um, we had uh, Kosif and Kaim later on talk to Irina and a couple of the people in town. And we learned a little bit about the Vistanti. If you guys want to talk a little bit about kind of what you guys overheard. Uh, I think his name was Anton was one of them was yeah. one guy. And then yeah, I don't have my notes uh, near me. Yeah, I want to say his <laughs> Anton was his name. Mm-hmm. So what do you what'd you guys what did you guys uh, learn from good old Anton? He had a cool fire effect. I remember that. <laughs> a cool character art to go with it, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, he was, he told two stories, um, you know, and, and Irina, well, he was telling kind of the first story of uh, the wizard that created the uprising and tried to um, overthrow Strahd and then well supposedly died when he was thrown over a cliff um landed in a river which i yeah yeah um uh, you know he fell into a a river and we know that it's we know how deep the river is so um (laughs) i don't have my shirt (laughs) Uh, how deep how deep is the river at uh teespring (laughs) slash store slash save by the or gonna say like that, like that information right becomes yeah. relevant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know that was the and so while that's happening, I'm talking to Irina and and she and the Vistani don't get along because there's this uh, rumor that they the Vistani had helped Strahd and uh, and when when I come over to talk to Kaim about it, uh, that's when Anton um, spits into the fire and. Um, this we see this vision of, of uh, presumably Strahd, and we hear about how the uh, Vistani had helped um, save him in life he, when he was a prince. They made a couple of comments too about how um, Strahd was. Uh, they called him their fair prince and said that he was. He had since been cursed, which gives the idea that. Um, Maybe the way he behaves now isn't how he always behaves. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And it, it from from Torbjorn, because he was kind of half paying attention to some of this, and Keegan as a player, like one of the things I'm intrigued by is the fact that the Vistanti, we, we knew that, I think we found out last episode that they could come and go, or I can't remember if we found that out this episode, but we knew they could come, we found out they could come and go, but we never really knew why. And I feel like this kind of tied in of like if they indeed work with Strahd, like that could be why. Uh, the the curious thing to me though, and it was funny because I rewatched the episode today getting him for preparation for this was when we camped at that Vistani camp. David said along the lines of something like nobody messes the, with the Vistani, uh, which is why we are safe. And I'm cur- I'm curious, and you probably can't answer this, but I'm curious whether that means. When it says nobody, does that mean Strahd because they're they're spying on us? And again, this is Keegan as a player, not necessarily Torbjorn would not think about this. But like, are they spying on us? Are they keeping tabs on us? Because Irina was very, very reserved to going into the camp because of what she had heard. So the the Vistani are pretty much under Strahd's protection. Yeah, allowing them to come and go as they see fit. 
So yeah, he's repaid that yeah. to them for as long as he's been vampire. So. So refresh I thought my, refresh my brain again. How long has that been? Did, did we find that? Years. And that's okay. Yeah. So have, it was. It was it was cool information from the from the perspective of like the player. Again, for me personally, like Torbjorn didn't really hear that conversation, doesn't know any of this, but as Keegan the player, my my wheels start turning of like I trusted these guys because I was, could drink with them. Maybe they're not to be <laughs> trusted, but at the same time, Torbjorn's like, Hey, these guys are in to have a good time. I'm gonna hang out with them as long as I can. So like it's it's quite fun to have that where the role playing starts coming in of like separating me from Torbjorn. Back to back to that story too. The the first story that was told about the wizard. Um, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was as a player and as as the character was completely intrigued with it to the point of of like also trying to figure out like how long had passed since that happened to to where we are now. And I think we learned that in game. I'll have to check my notes, but I don't have my notes there. But like a year, I think it was a year. Yeah, it wasn't that long. The wizard, yeah, yeah. the yeah. wizard yeah. was a year. Yeah, One yeah. Year. yeah. Was now DM? Maybe you can answer this. As we were passing by the front of Strahd's castle, there was that mm-hmm. location where he fell off the cliff near there. Because I wanted to say something during our travels, but I didn't want to like interrupt what was going on at the time. Was that near? Uh, there? Yeah. He pleads the fifth. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. He can't say. David, don't no play I, poker. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how to answer. Like, I, I have to like have the lore in front of me, honestly. Like, I, I have no idea for sure uh, the answer. Just like earlier uh, in there where uh, Tim had asked Irina something and I was like, oh, it's this peak. And I, yeah, it was about the mountains. Cause, and cause you, was, you, yeah, and you were calling the, the tarot cards, I believe. Well, we're just was, really. That was really more of like, I as the DM don't remember, but Irina lives here, so she surely <laughs> she knows the name. Yeah. Yeah. So she tells you the name, but I, for the life of me, can't find, <laughs> find it right now. So, uh, and it was Mount Gacus. Our party is uh, really interested in how deep and tall things are. Yeah. 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 Apparently. We really <laughs> and, what, and what it's made out of. Because every stone structure I've seen, I've asked what it's made out of. So. It's made out of stone. Yeah, it's made out of stone. One thing that, one thing that I'm intrigued by is... Oh, go ahead, Bertrand. Sorry. No, I was just calling. You were, I was making another joke. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, is big moments in this. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, my character and, and it's what's going through my mind as a player versus the character is two different things, I guess. Um, I, I know that everybody's kind of had those moments. Um, but one thing that went through my mind as the player is my character is obviously from this area. And mm-hmm. the Vistani, like, like how did... Oh, sorry, my uh, phone goes off there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And basically, like, she was smuggled out by the Vistani. Well, only the Vistani leave. So. 
you know, like, well, so that, that was something that went through my head and I was like, well, I can't really ask because, you know, and, and at the same time, like her answer based, um, Ava, um, was just like, oh, you'll find out in due time, basically. You, yeah, uh, like, my, yeah. my favorite, one of my favorite moments from the episode, Nate, was when I rewatched it back today, was the fact that you go, I was not prepared for any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at one point, like, you're having this conversation with her, and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then, and yeah, then, I'm trying think, to, like, get all the details, and everything. Yeah. you're trying to write everything down, and you're like, I'm trying to write notes, but I'm trying to process what's going on. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I think we've, we've all had, like, that's how I felt when I was getting the, the information when I was on the horseback of, like, oh, shit, like, this is, I got to write this shit down because this could be important down the road. But you also want to listen because you want to make sure you hear what's going on. And I think it's funny, again, one of my favorite moments with you, Nate, was at the end where you're like, uh, uh, okay, bye. And she's like, bye. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Like, cool. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to process. So it's overwhelming. <laughs> Fitting to a to a young young elf character, yeah. like to to just be kind of like, okay, like whatever, like oh crap, that's which a lot. Is, <laughs> which is what happens when you give the DM the backstory that you were orphaned and left <laughs> left at the footstep of a monastery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, DM give starts me that opening. Yeah, DMs and then I the start world, creating. <laughs> Uh, I do have a question for all of you because obviously we have since left Madame Ava to this point, but would you guys, would you guys think of her? Like, it's funny because me and I think me and Tim were talking about this. So like in, in game, all of us believed her because every insight we checked, we rolled was super low. But but as, as a player, like obviously we have the information of our own backstories that we're like, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Like we don't know. What do you guys think of her as a character? Like, do you think it's somebody? She's somebody we should trust. Do you think she's actually knowledgeable, or, or do you think it's? And this is as player, not as character. As player, do you think she's somebody we should trust, or somebody who's knowledgeable? Or do you think it's somebody we should be leery of? Maybe she's working for Strahd to send us in the right direction, or in the wrong direction, I guess. As as a player, I I think she's literally true neutral. Like she's she's. I don't think she's playing anybody. I don't think she's really helping anybody. I mean, I could be way off base. I think I mean, she's obviously helping us, but I think that's the, the the thing of true neutral is like it's not about who's right, who's wrong. It's just about truth. It's information. Yeah, information, truth. Yeah, what she knows. Now she could tell us more for sure, obviously, because you know you'll Nate, you'll know in due time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think. I think everything she gave us was spot on. I don't think anything was. Anything you scared of, or it's you don't think it's David potentially sending us to a trap or something, or getting us intrigued to something? I mean, there, we there's a chance. Not there's always a chance that David is, is feeding us <laughs> a giant MacGuffin here. Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> Go to the highest peak. Which one's that? Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Bye. Yeah. Do you, do you, do either of you guys have anything? Because obviously David can't answer because he's the one puppet, puppeteering. I, th- I think she she fits a, a very clear role in storytelling. You know, she she's setting us on her um, kind of like the that uh, main quest line. You know, she's that little bridge point that gives us some information that we can work with. Um, very neutral, as Bertrand said, and 
you know, regardless of any twist, like we have to have a direction and mm-hmm. somebody has to give us that purpose. I think she's a great character for that. Um, the f- classic fortune teller thing is a, I mean, it's a, it's a trope for a reason, right? It's uh, yeah. it works. Um, and David plays her really well. Uh, his, his madam <laughs> voice is great. Um, you know, so that, yeah, she's a, she's a cool character. And I think, uh, I think she's getting us on her way. It'll be interesting to see if there's more to her than mm-hmm. just that. Um, or, if, or if we see her again. Right. Uh, that would be really cool. And I, I'd like to. You better, I want my powder. cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 golds worth, right? <laughs> like, I want my cheese. A lot of cheese. Yeah. yeah. And then wherever we go is going to be dangerous. We already know that, right? So, you know, anywhere she sends us, just matter of perspective if it's a trap or not, right? Uh, anywhere we go based off the information she gave us, um, it's, it's not going to matter. Any, you know, it's going to be dangerous. Because we're literally in a vampire's realm, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All the places she sent you, it's not like she said it's going to be lollipops and rainbows all the way there. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I guarantee there's going to be a fight before you yeah. get to said object. I, I heard nothing of flowers and <laughs> making potions along the way. <laughs> we, I did hear about pies though. So as we were traveling, we have left the Vistani camp. We we travel along this the I guess we followed the river to a certain extent. We followed the path along the river. Um and we saw Strahd's castle for the first time in the distance. So that was cool, as Bertrand brought up earlier. As the first time we've actually seen where he lives. Um it was ways away, if I remember correctly, to the point where like we couldn't really make too much out of it, other than it was, assuming, like, it was like, huge and powerful. Big on our on the horizon, kind of a yeah. thing. Like <laughs> we, I think in the game we use the Disneyland castle uh, analogy of like it's there, but it's way back there, um, which was cool for me because uh, again, it just because you, you know at some point we're probably going to go to that castle. Like if with everything that's gone on, assuming everything goes the way it goes in my head, which it never will. But at some point, I have a feeling we potentially will go to Strahd's castle, whether it's to fight Strahd himself or to get something from that castle that's needed to figure out where the hell he is, something along those lines. Um, so I'm actually real curious to see what Strahd's castle looks like up close. But it's kind of cool of like this ominous looming thing in the distance of like, hey, you're level, what are we, level four right now? By the time you're level seven to ten, you'll be over there. It's like when you play a video game and you get to the new right. world. Like- yeah. You could try to go in there, but yeah. you're gonna die. <laughs> it's it's literally that stereotypical like Castle Frankenstein, like on the mountaintop. You know, yeah. that's Castle Ravenloft. Could through. we could we have gone? To, I mean, we could have gone yeah. to it. Yeah, you could have gone there. <laughs> Probably not the best idea. Instead, we went to smell. We made it to where we started smelling uh, bakeries and pastries. And this is where I think the episode kind of... I feel like we had the episode, if you take it, the session was divided basically into two sessions. The first session was a lot of RP, a lot of us conversing, a lot of us getting information. The second half was us fighting the shit out of everything. Uh, because we went up to this this windmill that uh, Irina seemed very, very sketchy of. Um, we also had a couple ravens that showed up in... It was really cool because I tried to talk to a raven and it just, I can't remember what it said exactly. I didn't write it down, but it was something of like dangerous danger help, help or danger help, danger help. Cause I was like, should we help like lead us? Should we go in or not? And it's like both. But I was like, fuck, I don't know. 
because <laughs> what was cool uh, for the rest of the party, uh, Kosif, Tim, could discern good and evil. Uh, he could sense some good that was inside. Uh, we just smelled delicious pastries. We didn't smell the foul-smelling uh, what ended up being kids uh, inside the pastries. Um, so so we had... Yeah, spoilers. Uh, this should, you should watch the session before you watch behind the session. Yeah, so, let's be real. Be like, <laughs> probably should explain that. Weird turn but, of events. Yeah. Um, but I want to I want to talk to you because I feel like we had a we had a debate because at one point I went up to the windmill, went around to try and see if I could find any windows or any way to look in. There's no way to look in at that point. I was ready to back away and go away. But at that point, after that, Tim walked up and knocked on the door. What was your thought process, Tim? Of like, because you're the one who is essentially in engaged with whoever the hell was inside at the time, which ended up being three three hags or witches or I believe they're hags. I can't remember exactly what they were. Yep. Yeah. So what was your thought process of like, hey, let me just look in here as as Kosev? Yeah, well I, I think it started with that discernment of uh I forget the name of the the um class power that I used, uh forgive me, but uh being able to sense that it was something evil was happening here my character being aligned with the good thinking we need to potentially do something here. Um, now I, I would have considered walking away um, and, and hoping to come back later um, if I felt that it was right. But clearly the Raven, I've started to trust the Ravens. The Raven was saying, this is, this is dangerous, but you need to help. Somebody needs to help. So I'm thinking, okay, imperative help. And then I think what really got set me off to go knock on the door was we were standing there having this conversation and I thought about the second, was it the second episode where we were all standing out in front of the town and Dave was like, <laughs> you guys are all just standing out in the middle of the road and I'm talking to each other. And I think the hags were pretty much about ready to come out and see us anyway. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's knock on the door and let's go see, we got. see what happens. Yeah. yeah, I was I was right there with you. I was actually considering talking to the group and, and saying, let's, let's roll let's let's move past this place this is weird like this just doesn't seem right and then when kaim went and spoke to irena and i asked her i think it's something like a uh, child shmanibalism or something <laughs> yeah and she said and she, i think david you just kind of nodded your head like as irena and i was like okay like those are the rumors this is jacked up like and then the raven immediately just set i think set our course for yeah. for everybody because i don't think any of our uh, players as people real people were even considering leaving at that point yeah you rolled a low insight on her but she was actually starting to kind of freak out uh <laughs> about uh, as you guys were approaching the the windmill and and realizing this thing that they she had kind of hoped wasn't true that they were about to come face to face with <laughs> so, so had had Irina never traveled to this location before and seen this windmill or is it just rumors for her basically people in Barovia don't leave their village they don't leave their home good point <laughs> you're right <laughs> Barovia so, was just freaking empty <laughs> yeah they, so I mean okay. it doesn't even occur to them to leave that's crazy so, you yeah. guys kind of missed out on two events in in 
the village of Barovia uh, because you you left uh, and you guys had other things happening in your party. But uh, uh, there is an event where you would have encountered um, Morgantha uh, with her cart selling pies in the village really? and actually taking a child as payment from like willingly from the parents. Uh, wow. Well, uh-huh. the child was not willingly going, but the parents yeah. were willing. Would that so have been then the same child we would have found later on? You would have, yeah, uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and, that's why uh, the kids were like, oh, I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, re- and so if you had confronted her there, she would have just, without a fight, given up the kid, but then just come back around for it when you guys were gone. So... That count was an inevitable, but was that something uh, that would have been triggered had we walked down a certain one of the streets or something? It just would have happened. It was going to happen later in the evening, and you guys like kind of booked it out of there, and then uh, and then you guys went went to bed early in the Vistani camp. Uh, That's not good. Are you still there? Because. You good? Yeah, I can. I can still see him. him. Okay. You can see him. Yeah, okay. he's moving. Can... Yeah, you're okay. fine. <laughs> I think I'm back. Yeah, yeah everything okay. just froze. Yep, you're good. Uh, you never died for us. Yeah, and the other thing is, uh, the there is actually an event. The cemetery at midnight. All of the adventurers before you rise from the graves as these green ethereal spirits and travel to Castle Ravenloft and throw themselves off the uh, edge of the uh, cliff into the catacombs below. Oh. (laughs) Well. You guys slept um, through that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We took a nap. So. Good to know. I mean, Vampire's Night kind of makes sense. Um, I will say, once we got, like, like I said, Torbjorn, when he went up to the, the windmill, kind of looked around first and then backed away at the end of it. And I was actually, at that point, when Tim walked back up, as Keegan, the player, was almost like, we should move on. But Torbjorn, at that point, didn't... he He's very much a follower, so he's going to do whatever. And I've told Tim this a little bit, but Torbjorn's starting to trust Kosif because Kosif summoned a horse, whereas someplace he should not summon a horse. He has calm the emotions of uh, a vampire in front of his face, like... There's so many different these these two events have made him. <laughs> be like, that did us. Yeah, you're right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, that was really cool well, that you called him this vampire. I yeah, stabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I cut his fucking head off. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> Well, I didn't. Thanks I for calming him down. Yeah, torture him. Uh, but like, but like when when Joseph went up to the windmill at that point, like again, Torbjorn was in his normal like. He was hesitant, but as soon as Kosef walked up saying, hey, we're going in, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I, I literally just followed him because at that point in, in Torbjorn's mind, Kosef is the sign of good and evil of like, hey, this guy seems to know what's up until he has otherwise he's proven to me that he seems to have a good judgment on where we should and should not go, what we should and should not do, uh, even if I don't necessarily follow that judgment myself. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. Tim Knox, oh, go ahead. Oh. Sorry, I was gonna say the interaction when you guys finally went into combat. I was like, "Why is this? Why is this familiar to me? Why is this like 
this seems like a scene out of a movie. I'm like, this this is, and then I'm like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, Phantom Menace. When, when uh, Qui Gon's like, I'm taking these people to Coruscant, and the, uh, and the droids like, uh, that does not compute. You're under arrest, and then they just chop his head off. I just felt like he, the thing was like gluten. That doesn't compute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys gotta get out, and then you guys just attack. Trying to persuade him to tell us what's in the pie. And I was trying to think. So King of the Player was like, what can I say that makes the somewhat sense in my brain of food? And I was like, gluten. Pies have gluten in them. And I was like, hey, I'm gluten free. And I was trying to convince her that I had a gluten t- allergy and she was not buying it. But I, but because at that point, I, because we, we didn't, I took a pie. Uh, yeah, you I have. have a yeah, I have a pie. But I did not trust to eat it because I wanted to know what was in it. So I was trying to like negotiate with her of like, hey, what's in this? So I can know um, what would happen if I had eaten the pie? Because I almost I came about this close to actually trying it. <laughs> that was still DM's it. goal. Yeah. Oh. I still have it. Can I throw it at somebody? <laughs> I guess you can't throw it at somebody. So no, in in the in the event that you guys missed where the reason why parents are willing to trade their children for the pies is because they're highly addictive. Uh, they're very addictive. Uh, and they also uh, make you see, it, it's kind of like joy mm-hmm. uh, from happy the, few. yeah, we happy few. It, it would make oh. you see colors and, uh, you know, if you could see like a vampire in front of you and you would think it was a prince and just not care. It just everything was you just, you just don't live in the reality of, of Barovia anymore. So people mm. were, you know, addicted to them and so much so that they would give their kids up for more pies. I can still meth. eat that pie. Barovian meth. I still have it. Pretty much. I have pie <laughs> and a wolf leg still and ashes. Putting that together, got a nice stew going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we finally we finally get inside and we see what we're facing because this I think shortly after we actually initiated combat to the sense of like, hey, shit's going down. She obviously didn't want us there, but we we came in and we started doing combat. Um, I think I was first on initiative roll if I remember correctly, and I tried to shove. Uh, what's her name? Argantha? Is that the the mother? Yeah, Morgantha yeah. was the one you shoved out. I tried to shove her out the door. I, I think I failed on the first one, and I had action surge to do it again to get her out the door, because David had said right before that, something along the lines of seeing all three of them together was causing, like, an aura or something. I can't remember the exact words you used, but it there was something happening that clearly when all three were together, something was going down. So Torbjorn sees this, and his initial reaction is to just literally brute force this lady out the door so she can't be with the other two that other two people uh, that are in there with her. And it was quite interesting because that essentially that move did a couple things. One, it split our party up because we had one outside. We had two inside. Uh, I think outside was me, Kaim, and Welly. And then inside eventually was uh, Kosif, uh, Ara, and Vale, I believe, was how it was split. So we had three and three. But it was yeah. just I was I was very scared uh, as King of the Player when I did that because I had no idea how strong this lady was. And then the first time you magic missile Veil, I go oh shit because 
I just shoved her out. So clearly she's going to probably target me at that point. But what'd you guys think of, uh, of that fight? What'd you guys think? What was your initial reaction when you saw Vale take as much damage as you did from magic missile and the fact that we could not avoid that shit. Goodness gracious, dude. When the, when I saw my screen just turn red with a thousand <laughs> D eights or D sixes or whatever you were rolling, I like, yeah, whatever. Like <laughs> it just was terrifying. Who cares? Like there's just yeah. so many of them. It was at that point of like that yeah, as a player, I just realized that's, that's when the gloves came off. I was like, okay, David's <laughs> not DM is no longer pulling punches. Like this is this is a full blown like death is on the line now. Yeah, this I mean this was a fight that like it says in the book if you win you level up. So I was like, it's not gonna be easy. They're gonna they're gonna suffer for oh, this. Oh, we did. You know, I think poor <laughs> Bale went down what two or three times. Two two Inside. times. I two think. three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. I don't remember. A few times. <laughs> I know that I had to, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was outside the whole time uh, fighting Marganta. But uh, inside seemed like it was a little bit more chaotic just because you had two of them to deal with. And David actually told me before this we were playing Overwatch, and he told me that we'd actually gotten the two sisters within like seven HP of each other at the end of it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it was It was really, I was like, that's so weird that the two of them were exactly the same, like, we were both down, like, they just had seven hit points left, both exactly at the same time. And I was like, I was like, you guys, yep, she's looking haggard, and the other one's looking <laughs> haggard, too. And I'm like, you have the same amount of hit points. <laughs> what are the chances, you know? Wow. Yeah, yeah that small room, then uh, yeah. Keegan yeah. slash Torby, great, great move separating them and getting them outside, because, like, I... I was not as a as my character. I would not have gone in there at all. Like you guys saw, like my first few turns were just like peek in, take a shot, and 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 bump back out because it was just way too crowded. And all I was waiting for was some sort of like firebolt or thunder wave or just something just to wreck everyone. The whole the whole windmill just comes collapsing down. I, honestly, like <laughs> there was a part of me that like wanted to call out like a. a to to get everybody out and see if I could get all or, or to take one of my actions to, to yell out some our party to everybody run out so I could cast something really big inside that I yeah I'm I'm not telling you what that is because there's gonna be a point when that comes in handy but <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't because <laughs> yeah. it could have hurt the poor children <laughs> yeah and that's the thing I feel like this fight. Because it went on for a good, what, probably 45 minutes to an hour, I felt like. It was, it was a good it was second, the half. second half. It was, almost, yeah. it was almost two hours long. Yeah, it was the, good, the yeah, whole was second good. half. How much, HP, how much HP did each of them have? I wasn't keeping track. Do you know off the top of your head? It was a lot. They it was a lot. Over, well over 100. Because spoilers, after we finished, after we finished that, I, I Googled uh, that, that mod, that fight, and just was like seeing what, like each the, character, the, the, like, yeah, the different, like what we just fought. What a night hag is, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Red, I went to Reddit, and everyone was like, "Don't fight these people till you're like level six. Like half the people were like, <laughs> "I left at level four, came back at level six, and then fought wow. them." Wow. So the fact that we did this at level four after reading Reddit, I don't want to say it's impressive, but there are of quite a few people from from my experience of reading Reddit thread that TPK'd on this because of. There was a real concern. 
I was I wasn't kidding in the beginning when I was like tonight's TPK completely unrelated. Just in case, because yeah, I mean that's what this module is, and you know if I kind of felt like you guys had not been challenged at all, and if you were ever going to be challenged, it was going to be for a level up boss battle like this, and but I I felt like you guys had it like i didn't at no point was i like well i feel like this is a mismatch like if you guys had been still level two mm-hmm. going in there then i would have been like um raven <laughs> says get the hell out of here <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> can i can i ask you a question david because veil went down and the one of the sisters was attacking her the whole time and eventually did like didn't attack her to kill her was that a dm sparing her was that a character trait where she did not want to kill her so no uh it was it's tactically what makes sense okay like i can spend around and make sure that diana's character is dead and that you guys now lose are down a player but then I still get attacked by everybody else who's still standing, and I've done nothing for that situation. So as a as a as a as a DM, I'm making the choice as a character that it doesn't make sense to. It's more self-preservation to attack uh, everybody else, know, somebody else, than someone who's unconscious that I can finish later if i yeah. win you know um, that's... that's a typical D thing too like a, a very it, you would have a very sadistic dm if we were playing a game and the second a player goes down unconscious if all the enemies just piled on attacked while the rest of the character team was still up i like, mean to be fair Tor- torbjorn's done that now to two people so true i mean it's why you're not diving yeah you guys ran <laughs> and left her there you know if everyone ran out of the windmill and she was still down that's completely different then they would have definitely made sure she didn't spring back up but uh you know you guys are still there and pushing and being a threat so that's you know that's completely different like there is a point where they'll just be like well yeah this is i'm not gonna let her you know hop up in the middle of just hanging out yeah. you know so well one thing it was doing it was it was completely tying me down i couldn't be offensive hardly at all at that point because i realized my offense like any weapon thing that i was doing was going to just get half damage so i had to go spells and so i kind of had to shift as you know like as my character and say okay well this person's down and so it was occupying two people's turns essentially rather than just one. So that's a that's just a war tactic. So yeah. um, I, I thought it was yeah. funny because oh, I was gonna say with uh my sword, Silverlight, every time I attack I got full damage and I noticed everybody else was getting half. So again, wheels in my head of like, what is going on with my sword? Because Keegan the player and Torbjorn the character has no idea why this is happening. He assumes there's some sort of magical element to it but he does not understand what's going on with it so like i just every time it glowed he's like what the hell is going on but he's cool with it because it's doing full damage so he's like ah let's just keep going and stabbing stabbing with that um so my my probably the the one moment i was the most concerned of that whole fight 
was when both me and uh, Tim were held. Because if we didn't break that, you guys are real squishy. And that and was that the was, where I went, oh, shit. And that was their intention, too, was just hold the tanks, mm-hmm. take them down as quick as possible, and then finish everybody off with some, you know, magic missiles. Because I think all... I, I broke mine on the second turn. On the se- like, they held me for one turn, and then I got it on the second one, I think. I don't remember mm-hmm. what you had, Tim. They also hadn't seen you, Bertrand, so they didn't know that they had another spellcaster either. So they were kind of like, yeah, well, this shouldn't be too bad. Right. Because uh, I was still outside at the time, so was... Welly. Bale? Welly. Welly. Mm-hmm. Welly was still outside with me. Yep. I did ask you uh, off stream or off podcast before, David, but Irina during this whole event just stood outside and I kind of asked you what the mentality was behind that, whether it was she was not going to engage in combat or was it just something of like, was that just a decision for you to like, hey, this is for story reasons, this may not go well. Like, why did you why did you have her not join us in combat? Yeah, well, for like it, narratively, uh, she was horrified at the thought of what she would see going in there and it was just kind of one of those things where it's like she did her hiding kind of denied (laughs) exactly you denied the existence of this now you're in now you have to come face to face with it uh you know and and see with your own eyes the truth of what you've allowed to happen with your own fear uh you know that that's not an easy thing to kind of face. So she kind of just froze. Uh, Gameplay wise, she has a lot of the hit points. So <laughs> she would have instantly been, you know, been decimated dead. in there. So, yeah. Because yeah. I noticed that because when I was outside, I saw her up top. And I think at one point I yelled at her something. I can't remember what I yelled at her of like, do you want, I think I yelled at her, do you want us to kill, kill them? And she didn't respond yeah. at all. So that at that point I was like, well, I'm doing it. Or no, she said, I can't remember what she said. Yeah. I was like, she said, yeah, she said, do it. So I did it or I attempted to do it. So that was more of after last session of Torbjorn being like, I feel bad for killing something, but this seems like the right thing to kill. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely is the evil night hag that that cooks children in pies. Seems like a good thing. It's a safe bet. You can kill her. But he's, (laughs) but he's hesitant again after what happened last, last combat round. So just, you were like, Hey, vampire. Should, should yeah. we kill these things, right? Yeah. Should I so this? if we're traveling down the next chunk of woods and we see a little girl wearing a red cape and we found a house with a grandma in it, <laughs> like, we out, yo. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're in Grimm's fairy tale land here. Yes. That um, is in, until Torbjorn uh, stabs him in the arm. Yes, um, and take their, and take their legs. takes his legs. It's a wolf. Yeah. 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 <laughs> takes their legs. Uh, yeah, I, that's, that's an okay. actual feature of the night hag is that they eat children. That's how they sort of make their coven. Jeez. And this whole time we had no idea there's kids in, in, in the thing we should point out. Like we had no idea. And it, at one point, uh, Margantha disappeared. She went to a different plane and that's when I actually moved inside to see what was going on. Cause at that point, Torbjorn had no idea what was going on inside the, the, the windmill. Um, just cause he'd been outside fighting this one lady and he had no idea if anybody's been down, if anybody's dead, just no thought. He gets in there and he immediately kind of looks around to see what's the best plan of attack. And he saw Vale on the ground. So I think I attacked the one on the left 
I can't remember her name, but the one on the left first that was going after Vale because I saw her laying on the ground. I was like, oh, shit, it's mm-hmm. not looking so good in here. Um, if we had gone upstairs, like, did she actually, like, disappear, disappear? She'd literally just teleport upstairs. Like, if we'd gone up those stairs, would we have seen her? No, yeah, she was in the ethereal plane as her okay. ability to pass onto the ethereal plane. Okay. So she, it's like, it's like when Frodo put the ring on and you I've see, never seen, like, I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Kind of, <laughs> I don't know how to like explain it. To how you're playing D and D, my gosh! Like you, you—that is require. You're a dwarf for crying out loud. Now you see the problem. Yeah, yeah you you need to put aside anyway. twelve hours and just sit and. Well, I lived there. I'd come over and force it. <laughs> David got me to watch Ghostbusters a couple years ago for the first time. Yeah, so. you you all you you three are at partial <laughs> fault here for not making him watch this. Like, make a night of it. Make a nerd night. I've, tr- I've tried. Out. I've tried. I've got I've got kids that are making watch these movies. I don't have time to go make Keegan watch them too. You know, <laughs> we'll just have you over for our next movie night, okay? Yeah, man? There, we, there we go. <laughs> we'll Not a bad that. idea. Because um, she ended up teleporting or reappearing back upstairs. Was that? Did she reappear because? Because I think at that point we had not technically had we killed either of them at that point. I don't think we had. I think they were both down, but I don't think they were killed. When she went exactly. to the ethereal, they were still both up, I think. Well, when yeah. she came back. Cause oh, when she came back, it's because you killed one of them. Gotcha. Because yeah. cause I remember her being on the stairs and being like, oh, shit, that's where she... Because at one point, I remember like, well, what do we do now? Like, we're still in combat, but there's nobody here to attack. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was going to start, if we didn't have anything show up, I literally was going to have Torbjorn just swing in circles with the sword to see if he hit anything. She'd be like, what do I hit? A natural reaction, though, I think for for most people in that situation, they went and we we was my character would have assumed invisible. The mm-hmm. only reason I knew any otherwise as a player is because DM said something about dimension or something like that, plane of existence. I don't remember what the words you were that you used, but like, but as a character, that would have been like the smart thing of like just start pushing around in corners of the room and. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think someone asked if they had an attack of opportunity or something, and I was like, she's not even in this plane of existence. That's what, yeah, that's so. what you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no. <laughs> so so we, 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 we kill all three of them. They're all dead. Hopefully, at this point, we own this uh, this windmill. We start rummaging around. I think, me and, I think me, Tim, and Nate are all downstairs. We're rummaging around trying to see what we can find. Uh, I find roosters and chickens that I have carved up, <laughs> along with some other things. And uh, Kaim, Welly, and Vale all go upstairs and find children. And uh, I, Bertrand, since you're the only one technically up there, what was your reaction when you uh, when you found out there was kids involved? Yeah, it just assuaged my my fears um, and also made me feel a lot better about killing three old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, Morgantha took the night hag form. So you knew that they weren't actually old ladies anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. There was just that. There's still that wonder, you know, like, I don't know. I guess that would be something I would have asked you in game. Like as a, as a character, would I have been familiar with a night hag as I mean, it definitely didn't look human anymore. It was yeah. like night hags are like this monster type. They look, I guess, more like old 
witches, but they're monstrous, like in, in grotesque and kind of like in The Witcher Three, like the the three coven witches. Yes, very okay. much so. Like very just so. okay, that's grotesque. Like that grotesque. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's actually like exactly where it pulls. They pull from like that, that like old mythology of of you know they just put stats in it and put it in. It's like D and D. There you go. Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, but when I found those kids up there, it was it was more the shock that I think that uh, Tim Kosef had realized that one of them one of them was soulless. Was it the you Tim that figured that out, or uh, did, did you just kind of let us know? Yeah, you they don't just need the ability to, to to see. You can just see that if they're just like. If they're not responsive, if they're not showing any kind of happiness or like any kind of real joy, all all soulless people fear uh, feel is fear. Okay. So, well, you letting us know that really made me curious of of what it is that is going on here. We've got one child who's happy to see us but fearful, doesn't want to go back. And um, like as a character, I was really struck with like, what do we do now? And that's why ending the episode where we were at, I was like, oh, but with the children, with the children. <laughs> like, you got to take funny. them with you to Valaki, I guess. I, I flat out had a dream that night about this, that our party that Welly taught them how to bake and they started the business back up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, not, not of killing children, not of killing children, but like, okay. of like oh, making okay. pies for like the villages and like Gross. finding, finding sources of food. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious. Cause like I said, me, me, Tim and Nate are all downstairs and I kind of, I can't wait to see, I don't, we obviously don't want to spoil it here, but what the three of us are going to see or feel when we see these kids. Cause we have no idea what's upstairs at this point. All I know is I've got my, I've got my roosters. I got my chickens, Tim. I can't remember what your rooms are around for, but you're looking around for something to see if there's anything there. I, I don't think I declared that I was doing anything specific. Yeah. I was just, I was Hanging just out. there. Uh, yeah. I was going to, if there was time and I'm probably doing this at the beginning of the next, se- next session is I'd, I'd like to destroy any of the pies that are left over. Um, you know, we can burn them or, something you know prevent anybody from eating any of them but um, that was the only thing i was thinking about i just never declared what we were gonna do gotcha what about you nate were you what what's your thought process on uh potentially finding out what's going to be upstairs in the next session um well as the dm was saying like there was because my understanding was is that we were it was three floors. Mm-hmm. So we were on the second floor where one oven, one group of ovens were, and then they had gone up to where oh, so you went up the stairs. Cause I'm on, ovens. cause I'm on the bottom floor. So I never went up the initial. Okay. Stairs. Well, yeah, so my understanding was there was, there was the first three floor and then an oven. Okay. Bedroom area. That's not really an oven. It's yeah. Okay. And then the cooking so house. It's where they. So, <laughs> it's where they. Basically, you guys didn't get to see this part, but so th- what they would do is, they only cook 
children with souls. The soulless ones are useless. Mm-hmm. So they do a needle test and they prick their finger to see if they're uh, have a soul. And if they so if they cry, they have a soul. If they don't cry, they go in the other oven. Oh, the other oven. They're just dead. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's the a, one that burns. A World War Two uh, oven, I feel like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's okay. why, like, when you guys were wondering, I was like, "Oh, how do I? <laughs> how do I face this?" this? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it was probably, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think it's probably the best session we've had so far, um, in the mm-hmm. sense of between the the balance of role play, the how hard and how we had to work as a team in the combat. Um, I was not gonna lie. I was, I, when I, like I said, when I pushed the one outside, I was scared shitless that like, cause my thought was now Torbjorn is theoretically, I didn't, I forgot Welly and Kymer out there, but I'm like, I'm out here by myself. My two healers are inside, uh, going on. So if something happens to me out here, like, will I have a chance to yell in and be like, Hey, I need help. Um, and stuff like that. So I, I do love the fact that this was such a challenge and that we were able to, overcome it and like i said after reading reddit it made me feel good that we're like okay we're not as bad as we say we are we do stupid shit sometimes but we also at the end of the day we we understand what we need to get done and the fact that we went in there in the, in the first place again to me was like it was a cool moment because like i said it's torbjorn torbjorn did not want to go in there um after he searched around and couldn't see any way of looking in to see what he's getting into uh but once we were in there he's like rolling sleeves up ready to go to fight this these things and it was a lot of fun i do have a question for dm what would have happened if they'd all stayed in the same room if we, if we had not separated the three of them what would have happened so, so how it how it works is they they form the three of them form a coven individually they have like access to three sets of spells that they have like at will they don't even have spell slots they just have like at will Magic missile and a couple other uh, not that not that bad spells. All three of them together, they have access to like seventh level spells, uh, so they could throw all kinds of things at you. Uh, so by sep- but when you separated them, you limited their ability to to do that. Morgantha had access still to the abilities, but the the other two did not. You didn't. I'm glad I shoved her out. The, I'm glad I shoved her out the door. Because <laughs> my thought process, the, not to get kind of backtrack, my thought process on that was again once I saw them glowing. And the other thought was we're in such a small room that if something happened, if all of us were inside of there, we're basically boned as a party. Like if if we have one of those mer- massive AOE damage things happen, we're gonna die. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and well, I was, they take damage too, so they have to be careful about that. You know, they can't just. That was one thing you guys kind of had going was that you were in there with them, so they weren't going to just bomb it because that's their place. Yeah. <laughs> and they're in there too, so. Yeah. So, I'm I'm excited for next session. I'm real curious to kind of see what's going to happen. I'm curious to kind of, as Torbjorn, to find out about the kids and potentially talk to the kids, which, you know, how Torbjorn talking to kids is probably going to go. <laughs> but, uh, but just because 
I because in my brain the whole time, like this, ever since that session, my I've been going, how would Torbjorn react to the situation when he finds this information out? Because I don't know how he would react to this moment. I don't think I will until I have to approach him. So we'll see when that happens. But I uh, I'm excited for next session. I keep we say it every single time, but I'm super excited for next session uh, to see what's going to happen and to continue the trek into. We're still having, we're still technically on our way to what's the name of the city? Uh, Valaki. Valaki. I want to say I wanted to say Vistani. I was like that's the people, the V words. Yeah. Uh, we're on our way to Valaki, so I'm kind of curious to see what we're going to see in that in that town city um, and what we're going to step into because I feel like the windmill was kind of like an offshoot of what we were going to do and you could have could have or could not have done it, but we decided to do it and I'm also excited to level up because. Uh, I looked at my character sheet and I get some an extra attack at level five, which is wonderful. So that's cool. That's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited because all I can do is hit things. I feel like, um, but I'm also excited in the sense things again. <laughs> yeah, I can, hit, I can hit things more. Now you can still do that. So. Yes, but I'm also excited to, like I said, the Torbjorn at the end of that session, his his swords were glowing and he wants to understand. He does not understand what that means, and he's trying to figure out what that means and kind of what that why why his weapons did full full force, why everybody else's weapons or I think most everybody else's weapons. I can't remember if anybody else had full damage or not. If they um, were magical weapons, they did full damage. If they yeah. did, if they were non magical, they did they did not half damage. So I'm just again from from Keegan as the player with with my backstory I've got going on of like the hell happened to these swords and why do i why am i in possession of something that has this ability um so keegan the players says david did it so i could actually hit somebody for full damage because i don't have any spells <laughs> that's my <laughs> thought process like i ah, otherwise i'm i'm useless but uh but you guys have any final thoughts on the on the session before we close out here and we got anything they want to add no. nope cool yeah i mean Covered yeah i think pretty good this has been Behind the Roll, episode four. Um, follow us on July 2nd, I believe. It's Tuesday. We're not going to be going live on Monday. Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We'll be going live with our next episode of Save by the Roll. Um, I, like I said, I'm excited to see where we go. Kind of, I'm, ex- I'm also curious to see what the party decides to do with the windmill itself and how we're going to handle that situation in the sense of like, is it going to be standing when we're done? Are we going to lay what's going to happen? So what's going to happen to the kids? Like we, these are questions. Yeah. Just go poof and kill them all. But uh, again, you can, if you guys are a Funko Pop fan, you can get a pop in a box. If you go to pop in a box dot us and use the code save dash R one, you save 20% off your first order. And uh, like I said, I got my, I'm a, literally once I'm, as soon as I'm done here, I'm putting them up on my shelf. Cause I say I put it, kept in the box for this purpose. Uh, they've been sitting on my desk since I've got them in a couple days ago, but uh, so happy to be partnered with them. And I am so happy to have these guys on this adventure with me. Cause I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm every, again, every week we look forward to the session itself. Um, new merch is also up on savebytheroll.com. You go to savebytheroll.com and click on the merch button there. We have a bunch of new merch you can get. It is officially live, the How Deep is the River shirt. So if you want to uh, get the How Deep is the River shirt, that is officially up online now. Uh, right now, it only comes in unisex uh, T-shirts. I'm working on getting them in women's uh, here shortly. But as of right now, it's only unisex 
uh, t-shirts and only in black. So, but thank you guys so much for hanging out with, with us. Thank all these wonderful people. I mean, wonderful now instead of lovely for every word because I can't think of another word. <laughs> Leave in the comments down below what words I should use instead of wonderful and lovely. Uh, I'd love to know. But thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And uh, as always, happy adventuring. Bye.